from Relay FM, this is Analog, episode number 52. Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace and Red Hat. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by the lovely Mr. Casey Less. Michael, it has been too long, sir. How are you? Yeah, it's uh, this is the thing that, you know, people, I think people may have gathered it because we spoke about it, but we haven't really spoken at all in like two weeks, a week and a half. It's been a long time, a lot longer than normal. Because as well, you've not even really been talking to me, you know, like (laughs) just in general, I just haven't heard from you. Luckily enough, I get to see pictures of you without a shirt on every now and then, so that's always good for me. (laughs) That sounds so random. All right, so (laughs) I have to explain, oh, I just realized the phone is ringing when Aaron's hand reached in in front of me and grabbed the telephone from behind the computer. Um, Scary. Yeah, that was a little alarming, but um, (laughs) we'll we'll fix this in post. Don't worry. Anyway, um, yeah, so uh, we should explain, because that sounds really awkward, that um, I have an iCloud photo library shared album thing. I should probably know the official term for this, but whatever. Um, Anyway, so I have a shared album um, on iCloud photo sharing, and that album um, has pictures of Declan, and so... Mike is one of the people that is a member of that album. And, and so when I post a picture of Declan, you know, my, my parents will get it. Um, grandparents can see it. And some really dear friends can, can see it and, and will get push notifications of it as well. And so when we were at the beach last week, which is why Mike and I have, haven't spoken in a week and change, um, I posted, I believe, one picture that had Declan on my chest as we were laying in the sand on the beach. And so Mike got to see more of me than he has ever wanted to see before. That was a nice picture, actually, of all of the pictures <laughs> from the holiday. That was actually my favorite one. Because I was half naked? Because, yes, 100% because you were were half naked. How was your trip? What was the trip? Like, because usually when you go on these types of trips, there's like a wedding or a, I don't know, somebody backed out of a driveway correctly. I don't know, like, what these occasions are that you Americans uh, celebrate. But uh, what was the occasion? Uh, The occasion was that um, every year Aaron's mom's family, so Aaron's mom, my uh, my mother-in-law, is one of five girls in her immediate family. And um, all of the aunties will get together at uh, the Outer Banks of North Carolina, which is basically um, the beach in North Carolina. And we'll, and each immediate family gets their own rented beach house, which is a very common thing to do around these parts. And we'll all coordinate, so we're all there at the same time. So it's a, it's a vac- family vacation for Aaron's mom's family. And so this is the third year that I've been a part of it, and um, the first time, obviously, that Declan was a part of it. And so we were able to... Um, Bring Declan, which was the travel wasn't as much a disaster as I expected, although it was a disaster in its own way. Um, and then we were able to bring him to the beach. We, we, we were lucky enough to have a beachfront house this year, uh, which was very cool. And so we would just have to walk over a sand dune and then we're at the beach. And um, it turned out that Declan liked being at the beach just fine, um, especially since we had like a pop-up tent that we would sit under so we'd have shade um and we put uh, we brought like a little portable crib a pack and play onto the beach set it on like a a a blanket and so he was contained and could play with his toys in the pack and play however he did not care for the water very much at all like we would bring him which was too bad he would bring him up to the water just way up where the you know the the wave washes up and so it was only like a half foot behind us a foot behind us and I would dip his feet into the water, and immediately he would find that extremely alarming and start crying. And so we tried it off, you know, off and on over the the entire week. And toward the end of the week, we could get him 
near the water. Um, so like I could hold him above the water or like I could kneel down and put him on one of my knees. Um, but the moment his feet got in the water, he did not care for it. Uh, the water was actually a little bit cold for the East coast and perhaps that was what was alarming, but nevertheless, um, I think it was just the fact that it was loud waves. It was coming at him. Um, it's, it's just all of that put together. He didn't really care for the water itself, but in the grand scheme of things, beach trip was good. Uh, it's an, it's an annual thing for us. So if it wasn't good, well, tough noogies cause you're going back next year, <laughs> but, uh, it was good. And I'm looking forward. I'm very much looking forward to next year when he'll be walking, hopefully, presumably he'll be walking. He'll perhaps even be talking a bit. Um, and we'll be able to have like more interaction with him than we did this year. Yeah. You'll be able to maybe, uh, to build sandcastles with him, that kind of thing. Yep. Sandcastles made of sand. Anyone? Well, what lyric is that? Ah, I'm impressed you recognized it. How I Met Your Mother. It's one of the oh, Robin, really? It's one of the Robin Sparkles songs. Oh, interesting. Have you seen How I Met Your Mother? I presume this rings a bell to you. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I, I guess so. It's, it's weird that my brain remembers that. Uh, yeah, I've, I've watched most of that show, not all of it. Um, uh, skip the last season. Well, actually, no, bookend the last season. So watch like the first episode or two and the last episode or two. That's all you need. So wow, this just before this, yeah, just before this show was published, uh, I was getting very like on edge because we were having some uh, changes deployed to the Relay website for just to fix some things and to add some stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but I want you to go to Relay.fm right now and take a look at the page and tell me if you see some see something different. Uh, we're at the top because we're live. Above that. Uh, about shows people blogs store was that there oh there's search nope. too that's been there for a while sponsor listen live all this all this looks familiar to me well i'm, I'm failing this test relay fm mm -hmm. is it it's the same logo it's always been nope there's a change it's registered we are a registered trademark well the logo is Ooh, that's fancy. Yeah, we had it for a while, but it's it's really difficult the way that you have to get that stuff like displayed. And we had to make a choice either as to whether to add the little R there or we had to put this like massive paragraph of text. <laughs> but yeah, we 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 uh registered our logo um a little while ago. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so it was just something that we thought would be important to do, uh, especially because, you know, it's not an incredibly, like, we haven't got a very out there logo. You know, it's quite mm -hmm. simple. Mm -hmm. um, it actually looks a lot like the registered symbol, I was which is really that. funny to, to talk to the lawyers about. Uh, but it, it, it went really well. The process was incredibly simple. Is that expensive? It wasn't actually. I can't remember how much it was, but it was cheaper than I thought it was going to be. We used LegalZoom. Um, they're not a sponsor, mm -hmm. uh, but we used LegalZoom, and uh, it was very simple, and it actually came through a lot quicker than we thought it was going to. But we have like a certificate and everything. We are uh, officially recognized by the trademark office in the United States of America. USA. USA. Yes, indeed. Something like that. <laughs> right. I just thought it was a pretty cool thing, especially like... We're, you know, we're. I'm, I mentioned this. Like, we're we're gonna we're approaching our one year anniversary. Like, as when this show comes out, it will be next week. So it's like this is that thing where we're, this is episode fifty two, but it's 
confusing. It's one more week until it's a year old. Right, right. <laughs> it's just it it messes in my brain a little bit to look at that. But uh, yeah, it's, we're nearly a year old, and that's just one thing that I think is really interesting. That is very cool. So to see. I, I want to come back to that year old thing in a minute, but um, we should probably do a little bit more follow up. Um, there is a little bit of follow-up for the Rocketeer. Robert has sent in via Twitter, uh, regarding the Rocketeer, the USA jingoism, which is extreme patriotism. What a great word. I'd heard it before. I knew what it meant, but what a great word. Yep. Uh, was an intentional callback to the original comic. Uh, it was either a comic or a graphic novel. A novel. I'm assuming Robert's right in saying a comic. Um, I forget which one it was. But anyway, it played more tongue-in-cheek back in 91 than it does today. That is for sure. Does that make you feel any better about it, or do you still find it pretty distasteful? Um, I mean, it made things feel a little bit better. I had a couple of other people say this to me, like that it makes more sense if you know the comic and and that kind of thing, and that where it was written in. And I guess it makes a bit more sense, I suppose. Uh, I mean, I wasn't I, I, in listening back to my comments. I think I sounded more offended than I really was. It was just something that I found to be like just a bit of a spot on an otherwise really really great movie. Um, but yeah. So, I mean, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it, especially if they're, uh, like, observing the original source material. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have um, – it's kind of a relay your feels, but really I think more of a follow-up entry, which is, I think, why you put it um, in the this part of the show notes. Uh, Sam wrote in via Twitter – uh, to Casey, which is me. I don't know why I just told, talked about myself in third person. That's cool. Anyway, uh, what do you attribute Americans being bad drivers to? The driving test? Um, this is in reference to uh, me saying that Americans tend to be really crummy drivers, especially when compared to Germans who were incredible drivers. Um, and and uh, what I think it boils down to is the American attitude towards driving is that it's a right and not a privilege. Um, in reality, it is a privilege. But the way I think most Americans treat it is that you turn 16 or thereabouts and you either get your driving license or your learner's permit. And certainly by 18 years old, you should have a license. Not everyone does, but it is exceptionally weird to meet somebody in America that's over, say, 18 years old that does not hold a driving license. Um, and so because of that, I think in many ways it's viewed as a right rather than a privilege. Additionally, it's all state by state, but many states don't have particularly stringent requirements for education before getting a driving license. For example, when I got my license, it would have been roughly 1998. Uh, I was living in Connecticut at the time, and um, the requirements for me to get my driving license were, I think, a couple hour long don't do drugs, don't drink um, uh, course where they you know scare the bejesus out of you and tell you not to do drugs or drink. Uh, and I think that was it. I just had to be 16 and a half years old, have taken that course and perhaps held a learner's permit for a certain amount of time. I don't remember how long. Um, that's really not that much if you think about it. Whereas from what I understand, um, most other states or most other countries, if not states, have tremendous requirements for getting a driving license. And it's very expensive. Whereas I'm sure for me, it was like 50 bucks or something like that. Um, so it. I think because of that, it's in very many ways treated as a right and not a privilege, which is really too bad. And uh, real-time follow-up, the one exception to what I said with regard to everyone getting a license is if you happen to live in one of the few big cities in America that does have really good public transport, 
maybe you wouldn't have a license. Mike, you're a great example of that, although obviously you live in London, not the United States. Um, it, it would not be unreasonable for a person who's grown up in London, as you have, to not have, or Chicago or New York, to not have a license. Um, and typically what would, what would end up happening is instead of having a license, you can go to the uh, Department of Motor Vehicles and get a DMV issued identification that does that looks in many ways just like a driver's license, but is in actuality simply a photo ID. I've talked for a while. Any other thoughts or questions on that? Absolutely zero. Excellent. All right. Um, you know, I was going to I alluded to earlier. I wanted to talk to you more about the turnover for um, for relay that that's happening. What the eighteenth? What day is the actual birthday? No, you nailed it, the 18th. Okay. So on the 18th of August is one year of Relay, and uh, I was going to talk to you about that, but um, you've pointed out in the show notes, maybe we should say that for next week, and, and that's probably a good idea. Um, but you are doing a Q&A. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, I've been saving uh, some questions and stuff that we've had that I've had recently in regards to this show um, and feelings, and I've, I've been playing with a little topic for a while that I actually want to talk about next week, which is like... Uh, summing up how I feel um, over the last year. Uh, but next week, um, on the 18th, on our one-year anniversary, at one uh, fifteen Eastern Time, uh, me and Stephen are going to be doing a live Q&A session, which we're going to stream live and we'll be putting out in our B-Sides feed, um, which is a, just a special feed that we have for like extras and stuff like that. Um, you'll be able to, I'll put links to both of those things in the show notes, but we'll be, we'll be doing a Q&A uh, talking about Relay and talking about the last year and our future and stuff. And we want everybody to contribute with questions and comments that they may have. So as is, as you will be used to from listening to this show, if you just use the hashtag RelayQA, we'll be able to pick those up. Uh, but we talk about it just a, a, a little bit in a blog post that Stephen put together. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Uh, but I'd really love it if you would contribute towards that uh, for us for next week. The first time, this will be actually this will be the second time that we've done this. Uh, the first time was launch week, so awesome. We did it. We did a little Q and A. It was mainly to test out the live stream <laughs> uh, to see just to check that that worked. Um, so there we go. I'm looking forward to it. It is an accomplishment, my friend. It is really an accomplishment. I'm not trying to start the topic where we can let this go, but um, not only is it an accomplishment, but you've now switched to doing it full-time. Steven has quit his J-O-B job. Not that I'm jealous. And uh, he's now doing it, I guess, at least half-time, if not closer to full-time. You guys have accomplished a lot, and we'll talk about it more next week, but you should be uh, darn proud of yourselves. I will say, uh, my lips are sealed. I'll say nothing more <laughs> Fair until enough. next time. Well, instead of talking about that, why don't you tell us about something that's awesome? This week's episode of Analog is brought to you by Squarespace. You can start building your website today over at squarespace.com. And if you use the code FEELS at checkout, you'll get yourself 10% off. Squarespace, build it beautiful. When it comes to finding a self for your place on the internet, there is nowhere better than Squarespace. They put all the power that you need right into the palm of your hands and take away the stuff that you don't want to have to worry about, like who your hosting provider is going to be, if you're going to have enough bandwidth uh, for if you get popular or how much that's going to cost you. You don't have to worry about any of that. Squarespace take care of all of it. You never have to think about it because they have the right people doing all the right things to make 
make sure that that stuff stays rock solid and awesome. Squarespace uses state-of-the-art technology to power your site. They ensure security and stability, and they are trusted by millions of people around the world with some huge brands and companies that use Squarespace as well. For good reason, they have fantastic tools that allow you to build a professional-looking website. You don't need to have any coding or skilled knowledge level stuff required that just makes it look really great without you having to know how to write CSS code or whatever it is that these kids do <laughs> these days. And also, what's something that is you know, it's not easy to do, but Squarespace make it easy for you is responsive web design. So your Squarespace site is going to look fantastic on all devices, no matter whatever their screen size, it's going to look brilliant. But this is just getting started with Squarespace. They have 24-7 support with live chat and email. They're always there on hand to help you if you have any queries, questions, concerns, or comments. They're always there for you when you need them. They have their commerce platform, which you can use to sell goods, digital goods, physical goods. Uh, we use it to sell some stickers and t-shirts at Relay. And this is simply because and we have our blog, so that I mentioned in a blog post that we wrote a minute ago that was on our Squarespace blog that we have we have a Squarespace blog and a Squarespace store because when we were building our site and our CMS we didn't want to have to think about things like that why would we when we already know a company that would do a better job than we ever could they have their cover page functionality where you can build great looking single page websites if that's the kind of thing you want or an intro to your website and you can also, if you do want to stretch Squarespace further, you maybe you are somebody who wants to tinker around with the code a little bit, you want to make some changes of your own, uh, you can do that. They have their dev platform. This is now out of beta. It's available to everyone, and you can use this to stretch your Squarespace site further than ever before. If you sign up for a year with Squarespace, you're going to grab yourself a free domain name, allowing you to choose exactly what you want your site to be called, and Squarespace plans start at just $8 a month. You can sign up for a free trial right now with no credit card required, and start building your website today by going to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, make sure that you use the offer code FEELS at checkout, F-E-E-L-S. Not only will this get you 10% off your first order, and show your support for Relay FM, it's also going to make you feel good inside, because you'll be using Squarespace and that is my guarantee thank you so much to Squarespace for their support of this show and all of Relay FM Squarespace build it beautiful so uh, quick backstory um, Mike and I have been talking about doing analog for a long time before a relay was even a thing and it didn't end up working for a variety of reasons but we thought we were going to a while before we actually before you guys started relaying before we actually started analog and so of course, when I wanted to host a podcast, where did I go and where did I sign up in order to host the analog website that ended up never actually being used? Squarespace. You know yep. how easy it was? Totally easy. So it's good. It's good. I would have used it had you not gone and ruined I mean, made everything awesome by starting Relay. I wonder when that was. Oh, January 2014 is when I have some artwork here. Oh, yeah? yeah? Yeah. Do you remember the old artwork? Yes. It was a, there was a uh, headphone jack, wasn't there? It was a headphone jack that said analog in, and it had the waveform behind. Yep. I franked out. Casey Liss and Mike Hurley, January 2014. Wow. So oh. eight months before we ended up beginning it. Yeah. Oh, here's a sample in... Um looking at it in like a phantom uh, podcast app that's in our Dropbox folder, 15 January. Mm. I like that art, actually. Not that I dislike the art we have today. The art we have today is great, but I also like that art. Yeah. 
That was good. Anyway, that trip down memory lane aside, what are we talking about tonight? So a few weeks ago um, on ATP, and you've spoken about this a couple of times now, uh, you guys were talking about having people work on your home. Mm Mm-hmm like contractors and stuff. So I assume right. like this is like home repair, sure. home decorations, renovations, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you mentioned, I mean, you, all of you guys seem to, to do this. Uh, I don't think that any of you really seem to do a lot of this stuff on your own. Uh, you seem to all tend to get in contractors and you said that you do it because you're not good at it. So I kind of wanted to expand on that a little bit and talk about this this thing here because I think that there is a an interesting thing about it and maybe I don't know if there's a generational thing here which is quite interesting to me. Uh, but so you don't do any home repair of I, any kind or not really no. Um, so it's kind of this vicious cycle where I don't know how to do any of this stuff because I never had an occasion to growing up, um, and because I don't know how to do it. I am not confident in doing any of it and I'm not confident enough to just try it because I'm so scared I'm going to screw everything up. And so there, I can't even think of anything that I'm confident enough to do to the house. Erin actually is way more confident on doing things to the house than I am. Like she mounted um, a uh, towel rod for um, one of our bathrooms, a half bath. She's, I'm trying to think about like that's probably sounds so silly and stupid, but to me that's genuinely remarkable. Like I wouldn't even know where to begin to do that, which is the dumbest thing. And I'm like really embarrassed by that. And I know I'm going to get a million comments and emails about how how stupid I am or how it's ridiculous that I don't know how to do that. How did I get to be thirty what, three years old and not know how to do that? The fact of the matter is, I just don't. And and so because of that, if there's any home repair that happens in the house, Aaron is typically the one to do it. In fact, most of my male friends will tell you that their favorite store in the world is either Home Depot or Lowe's, which are, you know, big home improvement stores around the U.S. Do you guys have either of those? Um, I don't think so. I'm sure you have an equivalent, but I, I was... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there are big, like, we have one called Wix. We have B&Q. B&Q own, I think, DIY.com. Oh, interesting. Okay. They just own that domain. I don't know why they own it, like... It doesn't make any sense to me <laughs> uh, because everybody just types bnq.co.uk and it just directs to diy.com. So it's just like the most biggest waste of money. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we, we have big stores like that, like huge ones that like the, the the carts, as you would call them, we would call them trolleys, are like mm-hmm. flatbeds. Yeah, yeah. Like, yep. Yeah. I'm with you. So anyway, so Erin loves Home Depot and Lowe's. I, she likes one of them more. I want to say Home Depot. But anyway, she loves the two of them and and she loves getting like power tools and stuff. I'm kind of whatever. Like, I'm never going to use this thing. A drill? What do I need a drill for? I'm not going to use a drill. An electric screwdriver? Woo! I'll just twist my wrist a few times. I only have to screw things in or out. I only have to, I only have to use a screwdriver like five times a year. What do I need an electric screwdriver for? Um, so, yeah. So, this is actually mildly embarrassing because I feel like I – mean, I don't know how to say this without sounding sexist, but – I feel like it's the general societal expectation that that guys know how to do these sorts of things. And I am totally clueless. And that's kind of embarrassing. And like another great example is um, with cars. I know how to do basic mechanical operations with my car. I can change my own oil, for example. I choose not to most of the time, but I could. I could change a flat tire. Um, 
if I've, my dad and I changed the spark plugs in the BMW, which I don't think I would have been able to do without him. But nevertheless, I did most of the work with him looking over my shoulder saying, oh, my God, no. Or, yes, carry on. Um, so anyway. You're putting it in the petrol tank. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, so I think a lot of it is confidence. Uh, no, and that's not fair. A lot of it is ignorance. Some of it is confidence. But I wish I was better at it because it embarrasses me that I'm not good at it. And um, to answer, it might be Kyle in the chat, uh, my house was built in 1998 or thereabouts. So mm, for the most part, things are holding together for now. But how are you with this stuff, Mike? Because, I mean, I got to imagine, because you're, you're the man of the house, are you not? So here again, the, this, the stereotypical expectation is that you would be the one to do these things, but maybe that's completely bogus like it is in our house. It depends what it is. Uh, so flat pack furniture, right? I'm your man. <laughs> you are the Ikea god. Yep, I'm good at it and I enjoy it. Okay. Like I, I like to build things. Uh, and over time, I'm getting better at some stuff. Uh, Slade Fire 1, I do not know how to wire a plug. I did do it in school, so I think if you just gave me a plug, I could wire it. Um, because we, for, I don't know why we learned in school how to wire a plug, but we did in science. So I got that going for me, I suppose. <laughs> um, I couldn't do it like with a blindfold, but I guess I could do it if you just gave me the wires and a diagram. And I'm, I, I, I think over time I've like gotten a bit more confident with some of these types of things. But I would say that on the whole, I am more in the Casey camp. Like I, there's a bunch of stuff I don't know, and I would therefore pay somebody to do. Like so, for example, and I use I like to use my uncle as a uh, as my example in these scenarios. My uncle is uh, in his late 40s, early 50s. He's in his early 50s. And he is a sales executive at a telecoms company. So very like white-collar job. Has always been in white-collar jobs, except when he was maybe a little bit younger than me, when he would... Uh, do some stuff because he like he's always worked in telecoms and he used to do some like wiring stuff but not as like a as his job but like as part of it sometimes he would have to do some practical stuff mm -hmm. like engineering stuff uh, but he's not a trained engineer right so it was just like he, odd jobs basically we would sometimes have to do but he next next weekend is going to my grandma's house to replace her light fixtures mm-hmm and I wouldn't even know nope. how to begin. Nope. Definitely not. And and more importantly, my main problem is I am a bit of an anxious person. Uh, there's somebody who sent us an email months ago about anxiety. Uh, I have not ignored that email. Every week I put it off to the next week. We will talk about anxiety one day. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so I'm quite an anxious person. And my main problem is I think I'm going to do it wrong and kill everyone. Yeah, that I is, feel the same I, way. I mean, I know that sounds so ridiculous, but it's, it is because it's an irrational feeling. But I just feel like if I do this, not only will I kill myself, more importantly, I will kill everybody else. <laughs> That's how I tend to feel about mm -hmm. these things. Uh, so I don't, I don't do them. Uh, but the, the, I think that there are some things that I like to do, uh, but there are some that I don't. Like recently, like I've never used a drill before. Uh, and I had to drill some holes into some wardrobes, like some so that these flat pack wardrobes that we got didn't have uh, holes on the front for handles. 
Yep, yep. And I was a little bit like I've never just never used a drill before for whatever reason, and was a little bit like ah, it's a drill. Um, but it wasn't a problem. I just got the drill and I put a hole in the in the door. <laughs> Uh, but it was just a little bit like this was a new thing for me because I just never had the need for a drill in my life. Uh, but I think this is stuff that I would like to do, but things that I would probably never do are the things that could cause harm. Yeah. So, like, I would like to learn how to uh, and just basically by jumping in do more home repair um, and do more general sort of, like, building and decorating in the home of simple, simpler things, you know? Um, but I wouldn't be inclined to do any electrical work, which again, this is like stuff that my uncle does for his home and for my grandma's home, which just seems crazy to me. I like doing any kind of electrical work or plumbing or anything like that. It's just, oh, like recently he, uh, he put a new toilet bowl in at my nan's house. Oh, that petrifies me. It's like, me. how do you even, uh, but yeah, this is the kind of stuff that he does and he picked it up from my granddad. Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. And and I don't know if this is the case, but I expect my life would have been different if my dad was around, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and again, this doesn't necessarily apply to everyone because I know this wasn't the case for you. But like my dad left when I was very young. Uh, and my mum is good at these things, but she would always get somebody to help, like my granddad, for example. But then it wasn't really the same sort of scenario. Um, I would always like to be like the helper yeah. <laughs> uh, but I feel like I didn't really necessarily have the figure to, like, come on, son, let me teach you how to do X type scenario. Yeah, you know, and the thing of it is, is my dad is really good with everything except woodworking. So he could he, he could probably do – I think he can do basic plumbing. He's really good with electrical stuff. Um, he's rewired, like, his entire brand-new house because he was he was unsatisfied, dissatisfied, dissatisfied with uh, how, the, how it was done. Um, he's really, really good with electrical stuff. I think he can do basic plumbing, terrible with, with woodworking. But when, when we were growing up, it, it was never like the, come here, son, let me show you how to do this. And that, not in a bad way. It's just he just did it, you know, and it – I feel like I'm making him sound like a big jerk. It's not at all what I mean. It's just that wasn't one of the things that we did. Like, he would work on cars a lot, and a lot of times I would be his little gopher. You know, hey, go get me the, the you know, 12-inch socket or a 12-inch, good grief, a 12-millimeter socket or, you know, half-inch socket or whatever. He's um, a 12-inch yeah. socket. How big are the cars yeah, you were seriously, they, they were for giants, I tell you. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, they were from the seventies, and so everything's bigger. You're not helping yourself, then. really, are you? Uh, no, I'm not. Um, so anyway, <laughs> so that was a good show. I'll talk to you later. Now. Uh, so, anyways, like uh, he and I, um, well, he he and mom bought a um, 1991 300ZX when I was in high school. So this was in '98 or thereabouts. Um, and I loved that car. To this day, it's pretty much my favorite car ever that I've owned. And because eventually I bought it off them. Well, anyways, when we got it, the clutch was totally shot, just completely obliterated. And so um, dad and I, over the course of a few months, did the clutch in that car. When I say dad and I, what I really mean is dad did pretty much 99% of the work. And I was really good at going and getting him waters or going and getting him wrench, wrenches and sockets and things of that nature. Um and, and I understood, by and large, the things that were happening. Like when it comes to cars, for example, I have a real – I have a pretty thorough uh, amount of theoretical knowledge. But applying that theoretical knowledge such that it is now practical knowledge, I am the worst at. And again, a lot of times that comes down to just being scared of everything. Another example related to cars – 
on the handful of occasions I've wanted to jack up my car and I have a floor jack and it's not the most amazing floor jack in the world, but it's a reasonable floor jack. Um, it petrifies me finding the right point in which to raise the car. Just something as simple as that, because I'm scared that I'm going to accidentally miss and put a hole in the floorboard, like stupid stuff like that. And so I completely echo what you were saying before, Mike, about like electrical work and all that stuff. I'm just so scared that I'm going to do something that will be irreparable or, um, or will just generally make everything worse. And so what we had done on the house recently was we had our entire air conditioner redone or air conditioning system redone, um, including the duct work. Um, and additionally, we had custom cabinetry done because Aaron's cousin does that for a living. And so that made it somewhat affordable. And so we had a uh, new kitchen put in insofar as cabinets and countertops and stuff like that. Um, on the list of things left to do in the kitchen is a backsplash. So tile on the, on the vertical walls behind the uh, countertops. And that's something that from what I gather is not conceptually difficult to do, but not only do I, am I petrified of doing it? Not only would I get zero enjoyment out of doing it, but it would take a lot of time that candidly I'd rather spend doing something else. And so part of the reason that I think I don't do a lot of home repair or car repair is because I'd rather trade money for that time. Does that make sense? makes perfect sense because i think that's the way that i am with a lot of these kinds of things as well mm -hmm. it's like i probably am not going to do as good of a job so i might as well just pay someone to one do a good job two to alleviate the frustration of me not doing that good job and three just because i value my time completely and utterly agree i'm giving you an air high five right now across the ocean <laughs> no, that's exactly it, though. And, and I know it's it's a pretty obnoxious thing for me to say that I'd rather just trade money for that being done. But it it really is true. When you get to the point that you have enough money to, say, bring your car in for an oil change, which, unless you drive what I drive, is not that terribly expensive, um, That that's to me, that's a worthwhile trade. Um, one thing I won't do is I like, I love to wash cars, like my cars. Occasionally I'll have a friend come over and I'll wash their car just cause it's something I genuinely enjoy. <laughs> no, seriously, this has happened once or twice. Um, I, it, it's, well, what'll happen is somebody will like show up unannounced and I'll have the car, the car wash stuff out. And then next thing I know, I'm like, you know what? Your car's disgusting. I'm just going to go spray Can that I down Can I wash your quick. car, mister? Yeah, seriously. Um, Shine your shoes. Come down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Now I'm having visions of like five-year-old Mike, and it's, it's just melting my heart. You must have been adorable. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, um, so I love washing my car. I wouldn't say I'm the best at it, but I think I can do a reasonably decent job, and I enjoy it. And so because of that, I always wash my own cars. I cannot remember a time I've ever paid anyone else to wash any of our cars. Well, well either of our cars. Um, and I've loved it since the time I started driving. I've always loved doing that. And so not only do I have the confidence, but I enjoy it. Whereas for general home repairs, I have neither the confidence nor do I enjoy it. My main embarrassment factor with the home stuff is when you have somebody come to the home to mm, do something. Mm -hmm. And like you're there or whatever, and then it's like I, I feel like I should be the one that knows how to do this, and you're judging me. Yep, completely agree. Even though that person's probably just thankful that I don't know how to do it because <laughs> it means it puts food on their table. Sure. Um, I feel like I'm being judged. Yep, I agree. I completely agree with you. I uh, hate that tough. feeling. Yeah, it's the worst. 
So anyway, but yeah, I, I think um, to go back a step, I, I think that upbringing does in many cases have a lot to do with it. Like, again, not that it was a, a nasty thing, but my dad just never really was like a, hey, let me show you how this works sort of thing until recently. Um, and so I didn't learn a lot of those things. And so because of that, I don't know how to do them today. It's not his fault. I mean, it's not a big deal. I, I'm sure if I had asked, he would have been happy to show me. But it just it wasn't it wasn't part of our relationship, and so because of that, um, it's just, it's I don't really know how to do a lot of these things that he knows how to do. And actually, it occurred to me like six months or a year ago, I really need to kind of pay attention to this stuff because there's going to come a time when he isn't going to be around to like whip together a light fixture for me, just like you were talking about earlier. And so I'm trying to force myself if on the occasions that Dad will come over and do something around the house for us real quick, I'm trying to force myself to either help him or closely observe what he's doing and ask questions about it so there will hopefully become a there come a time that i feel confident and capable in doing whatever it is he's doing you're gonna go see him next weekend it's like casey just let's look at this a minute i would like you to wire this together for me <laughs> right. no real reason just because he's probably gonna have like a like a, a home ele- or a home electricity version of like a breadboard, you know, like where you would plug in circuits, you know, just like, I need you to wire this light bulb up. You know, I think they have that for like 10 year olds. I'm going to find that the next time. And I'm actually supposed to be seeing him this coming weekend. So he's probably, well, he won't hear this episode by then, but the next time I see him, he'll probably have something whipped together for me. Uh, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't (laughs) put it past him. Yeah. Right. I, I really wouldn't put it past him, but anything else on, uh, on home repair. No, I mean talking about this though, I should I maybe will give an update on my I was about to house ask. situation. So the current situation is we are going to buy a home in the United Kingdom. Oh god, a hand on heart, I got so excited when you said United and then I got uh, sad. No, we are going to be buying a home in the United Kingdom, but not necessarily um, England. Well, yeah, in England. Okay, well, yeah, there's other parts of the UK thanks to CGP Grey. I know that. That's true, but no, we're not going to move to anywhere else in the UK. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just not where we live. Um, so I'll be buying a home in the UK somewhere, in England somewhere. Uh, and the home buying process, even though we are so early on, is probably the most demoralizing thing that I have ever come into contact with. Mm-hmm. Because it just feels like... I'm never going to be able to get the money together to buy a house. Yep. Because every time I think I'm getting somewhere, I find out about, or Adina tells me about, something else that we will need to pay. So, oh, stamp duty tax. What? What stamp duty tax? What is stamp duty tax? Yeah. That is just an amount of money you have to pay the government because you bought a house. (laughs) Uh, okay. Yep. And it's a huge percentage. Like, so for example... If we bought a house, I mean, I'm, I'm just roughing up the numbers in my brain now. Say we bought a house that cost £300,000, right? So mm-hmm. we were lucky enough to get together like a fifteen grand deposit, right? Mm-hmm. If we're lucky, and then we can get a 95% mortgage um, or whatever it works out being. Uh, and we, we can finally, you know, we, we're lucky enough that the bank manager will give us that loan to be in for the rest of our lives. Uh, we then have to pay something like another six grand to the government. Oh, God. That's that's insane. Yeah. I don't even remember what the taxes were on this. Like, we have real estate taxes that occur every year. Um, but, God, I don't remember if there – I don't think there was a 
Um, see, now I sound ignorant, but it was so long ago. I don't recall if there was like a single time sales tax on the house. There probably was, and I just don't remember because it was so it just earth shattering or, or soul crushing is a better way of phrasing it. Um, but like the other thing is there's just no homes available where we want to look. Mm, yeah, that's tough, especially in a city where it, it you know, it, I live in an area, I live in a suburb. So, you know, if, if I really wanted to actually in our neighborhood, as we speak, they're building new homes. Um, they, 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 they took an area that was once considered swampland and, and inhabitable in, in, uninhabitable you yeah, whatever if you couldn't put a house on it, that that's what i was looking for thank you you couldn't put a house on it um now they've decided oh you know what we can put houses here and so they're building houses in the neighborhood and um and we could buy one of those in theory um there's always something new being built and you know of all different um costs whereas my understanding of it, of most big cities is that inventory doesn't typically get too much bigger and there's always way more demand than there is supply well, they're building up, right? So there is more stuff being built all the time, but just they get stupidly high prices. And there are all these schemes that you can do because trying to buy a home in London is so difficult. There are all these schemes that the government's come up with, like shared to buy, shared ownership, this mm-hmm. kind of thing, right to buy. So like, for example, the right to buy scheme, the government will give you a loan, which is 20%, of the value of the property, mm-hmm. which means that you can, it's like a, a, there's no, you don't have to pay it back, for, start paying it back for a certain period of time. And when you do, there's good interest charges on it, et cetera, et cetera. So there's really good deals, but it's only on certain uh, property developers that take it up and all of those properties are bought like immediately for that right, reason. Right. Then there's like shared ownership where um, you can own, a percentage 25 50 75% of the home and then a developer or the government owns the other percentage and you pay rent to them for the mm. other section that's weird well that's the idea of helping you get on the property ladder right because then you can live there for a few years get a bit more equity in the property and you've built up enough money to pay for a deposit for the next house mhm right so it's like it's like the first step but i mean i want to be able to just get a mortgage and buy our own home yeah, yeah, and not have to worry about around any of this stuff, but it's just seeming harder and harder and harder by the day. So basically my job right now is to just save up as much money as I can. And Adina is doing a lot of this kind of work, like the thinking and the working out because I just get depressed about it and just don't want to do it anymore. I just want to cry. And yep. so she, she can deal with this stuff a lot better than I can. So it's it, that's kind of the situation that we're in. Oh, buying a house is just terrible. Like, it's wonderful, but it's terrible. Mm-hmm. It's the worst. And, so. and, and when we were buying our house, we were living in an apartment, and we started looking in March, I think, or something like that, maybe February or March. Yeah, it must have been March. And um, we didn't have to be out of the apartment until, like, early June. And so I thought, oh, we have tons of time. This will be easy. Nothing to worry about. And come May, we still hadn't found the house, and I was starting to freak out. And as it turns out, we did make it just in time. But And we didn't, like, you know, desperation buy this house. We bought this house because this is the house we wanted. But it was getting to the point that I was getting miserable about it, just like you're describing, Mike. And I was getting just desperate and uh, overwhelmed. Well, I was overwhelmed the whole time, but it was just tough. Um, But it is worth it. I I am glad we own a house. I'm glad. It makes me feel good that 
I'm not quote unquote throwing away this money. Um, in that, you know, when you rent, it's going to somebody else. You never get anything for it uh, other than the roof over your head while you're there. Um, but God, so much of home ownership is annoying. Like we've put tens of thousands of dollars into the house this year because the air conditioning needed to be fixed and because the kitchen was getting kind of worn down. And that's just something you have to do. I mean, I guess you don't have to do it, but, you know, going to bed sweaty every night is not exactly enjoyable, especially when you have a baby in the house. So, um, it's home ownership is terrible and wonderful and buying a home is stressful and awful and great and delightful all at the same time. So while in some ways I want to live vicariously through you in other ways, I'm so glad it's you than rather than me. So basically my main thing right now is trying to find the money because like we don't mm-hmm. even know how far away we are because we don't know how long it's going to be before we get the amount of money that we're going to need. So if anybody has any ideas to help me earn incredible amounts of money really quickly, just let me know. Uh, I will certainly let you know, Mike. Um, Thanks. I, I was thinking about just kickstarting for my own house. Why not? Indiegogo. <laughs> Indiegogo. Indiegogo. Mike needs a house. But I am trying to think of little things like this. Like, is there anything that I can do? So this is like something that's just in the back of my mind right now. Like, because, so Slade401 is saying, I hear there's money in podcasting. And the thing is, uh, yeah, there is. And if I wasn't doing this, we wouldn't be even close. Uh, I've been able to save up a considerable sum of money in a very short space of time because the podcasting money is good. Uh, and if I wasn't doing this, then we wouldn't even be close. We wouldn't even be thinking about it. I don't know what we. I don't know what we'd be doing. Um, but, but we'd be nothing toward nothing even close towards this goal. But I want to be able to get larger sums of money quicker. So like, you know, <laughs> don't we all? Well, yeah, I know it sounds so dumb, right, when you say it like that, but, you know, I'm just trying to think right now, like, is there any, do I, I don't, see, because my thing is I don't have anything to sell, right, so, you know, like, people sell things, and it makes them big amounts of money, I don't really have anything to sell, specifically, uh, so that's just something that's on my mind right now, like, how can I make a bunch of money uh, in a relatively quick uh, space of time without a ton of work, <laughs> Oh yeah! If you find that it's the out, the age-old question. Mm-hmm. When you figure that out, let me know. Um, also, yeah, pro tip: you really don't need to buy a volcano as your first house. You really could just buy a regular old house, and that would probably save you some money. Yeah, I mean, our problem is we need a two-bedroom. And are you planning on getting uh, door fabric or no? Always door fabric, but in all seriousness, that is one of our big problems. If we were just looking to get a one-bedroom house, like we would be cutting our problems in half. Yeah. But we need a two bed so it's harder to find and it's more expensive yeah. and we need that because i need a studio so fair enough all right why don't we do some uh really your feels but before we do that why don't you tell me about uh one of our friends good idea this week's episode is brought to you by red hat at this point everyone understands that in the right situations open source software is important technology it's useful it's powerful nobody disagrees with that I mean, the most successful open-source project of all time is the Internet. Tim Berners-Lee put the WWW in the public domain. Then, of course, there's Berkeley Unix, TCP IP, BSD Linux, Android, the Internet of Things. 
you get the picture. The only real disagreement is whether open source can be used in enterprise situations for people to do their most important work. Well, Red Hat has been settling this debate one customer at a time for over a decade. They started with Red Hat Enterprise Linux, and today they certify and support application development, storage, and cloud infrastructure for every conceivable enterprise deployment. The New York Stock Exchange, DreamWorks, each and every airline, healthcare company, and telecom giant in the global Fortune 500, they all rely on Red Hat. In fact, more than 90% of all of the companies in the Fortune 500 are Red Hat customers because they get the powerful, constantly improving innovation of open source without the risk of having to do it alone. It's that simple. Red Hat, enterprise software trusted in the world's most demanding data centers. Find out what they can do for yours at redhat.com. All right. So what do we do? What do we talk about feels-wise this episode? So Adam wrote in, and this is something that Adam had to say. Casey, John Syracuse recently retweeted your tweet about replacing your car's battery. I don't recall this. <laughs> uh, and you seem to get a lot of traffic as a result. I assume he doesn't mean that as a pun. Uh, I assume he means people were coming your way with, with talking to you. Nicely done. Uh, people were responding. Uh, so with responding to people who aren't necessarily your followers, do you, and this goes for Mike too, feel any additional compulsion to be more or less polite than normal? Do you look at it as an opportunity to turn someone else's followers into your followers? Or do you just try to get through all the extra attention as quickly as possible to get back to your normal Twitter business? Uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, I don't, I don't ever feel like this is an opportunity to do like a land grab for more followers. Um, I think they call that lead generation conversion. Probably, <laughs> you've worked in marketing, haven't you? Um, so yeah. So uh, sorry, Sarah. Is my marketing showing? Yeah, it, it it is just a little bit. If you wouldn't mind just zipping up, that would be great. Um, so yeah. So I don't, I don't even remember what you said. Lead generation conversion. I don't, I don't participate in that knowingly anyway. Um, I it is always flattering to have um, to have a bunch of attention paid to something you've done. The problem with with that is it's always a double-edged sword, right? Because um, with that tweet, what I had written was, want a reason not to buy a BMW? I replaced the battery in my 2011 335X drive. $430, nearly 200 of which was labor. So for comparison, when I had my Subaru, I actually did replace the battery in my Subaru once. This was on a very limited list of things that I am capable of doing. And I want to say it was 100 or $150 to the battery, and then I put it in myself. Now with the BMW, I'm told, and this, there are conflicting ideas whether or not this is true or not, but I'm told that you absolutely have to take it to a dealer because the dealer needs to tell the car in the car's computer, oh, this is a new battery. You need to charge it differently. You need to, um, you know, you need to treat it differently. Uh, you have to tell the computer that. So when I wrote, when I'd written that tweet and it includes like a little scan of that snippet of my bill, um, I'd written it because I was genuinely frustrated about the fact that changing the battery was $430. Yes, admittedly, I signed up for this by buying a BMW. No question. But it was frustrating, and I, I don't know, I just wanted to vent a little bit. And I thought that tweet was fine. I didn't think it was showy. I didn't think it was like, ooh, look at me. But I got several people saying, uh, humble brag. 
I got a bunch of people saying, why didn't you do it yourself, idiot? Which, of course, what I ended up doing was to the first person I replied, well, you're, you have to tell the computer it's a new battery, which only the dealer can do, blah, blah, blah. And then for every subsequent reply, I just pasted a link to that tweet. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way of doing things yep. rather than just writing it out over and over again. Yep. Sometimes I send a tweet like that and then know I'm going to have to say it so much, I just copied the link even though nobody asked for it. Yep, uh, <laughs> like, I'm with you. In a minute, I'm going to be pasting this. I know it. <laughs> yep, it's so true. And so what I'm the, the reason I bring all this up is because the attention is always you know flattering, that people are paying attention to what you're saying when you're complaining, when you're happy, when you're sad, whatever. But... The problem with having someone like John retweet this is that people who don't know me, and sometimes even who do, assume I'm an idiot. And so, because it's the internet, and you're, and if there's any purpose to the internet, it's to make everyone else feel like they're stupid. And so, I got so many replies. Well, humble brag, but more, but along the lines of saying I'm stupid. You know, you could do that yourself. It's very easy. Or why did you bring it to the dealer, you idiot? You could have done that yourself. Or why did you bring it to a BMW dealer? You should have brought it to a local shop that specializes in BMWs, like a BMW dealer, but whatever. Um, So many tweets um, uh, that that were like that. And it's just very frustrating. And so in that sense, to come back to um, Adam's question, just try to get through the attention and go about your day. I suppose one approach could have been to just ignore it all, but I still try to reply to most tweets I get on Twitter. Certainly not all of them, but anytime I think that something even remotely interested, interesting was said to me or um, something that I think just warrants a reply, I try to reply. And normally that's not really a burden because I don't get that many mentions in a day. But when John Syracuse and his, what, like 80 or 60,000 followers all see this one tweet and all make grandiose assumptions about my position in life, my knowledge about cars, what I'm trying to get across by this tweet. Oh my God, it was terrible. It was just terrible. The worst situations for me in these regards is when Marco retweets me. Mm, Marco has even more than John. And so that gets an even bigger audience. Like, even other people, I mean, this is obviously nothing against Marco. He can't do nothing about this. Uh, But because, I mean, the benefit is when Marco retweets me, I get a bunch of new followers. So I like it when he does it. (laughs) But the thing is, the thing is, like, it seems that more than anybody else that even has a similar follow account, I always get, again, these people that think I'm an idiot. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, like they, I just seem to get a bigger ratio of people that think I'm a moron. Yep. Um, maybe people are just, you know, when they see Marco, they're just used to a level of intellect that I cannot match. Um, I guess that's what it is, right? Uh, <laughs> um, uh, that's a very, that's a very <laughs> kind way of it of saying it. But I think the reality is, everyone's purpose on the internet is to make themselves feel smarter than everyone else, and you just, it's not necessary. We've talked a lot about internet behavior. We've talked a lot about Twitter lately. So I'm trying not to belabor, belabor. What is it with me tonight? Uh, I'm trying not to go on and on about this, but um, it's really very frustrating. And Mike and I, we were talking before the show about how we're both kind of raw about this right now. That that it just seems like. It seems like everyone's just out to be a jerk on the internet, and it's just frustrating. But, you know, it is what it is. But for me, though, with these, I don't ever really see this as a scenario to try and get these people to become followers of mine. I oh, no. actually, if I don't 
recognize someone or like if somebody says something that's like in these sort of scenarios it's a bit snarky i check if they follow me and if they don't follow me then i tend to just ignore them like in these scenarios like i'm more likely to respond to and be polite to the people that i know actually care about me in some regard other than people that just need to say their piece and move Mm -hmm. along Mm -hmm. because i don't care about those people i agree like they're strangers they're like complete strangers um, they don't know me, I don't know them, I don't know why they think they can shout at me, so I tend to just ignore those people. Yep, uh, that's the right approach. All so right. Doug asked, oh, go on. No, I was just going to ask what, what was next, so you're way ahead of me. Uh, Doug asked, if you're not actively controlling your computer, what do you do with your hands whilst <laughs> you're podcasting? You need to tell Doug to stop filming me while I'm recording because I have, I am the worst. I'm the most fidgety human alive. Um, and so I'm assuming the only way he would have known that is by recording my actions as I'm recording. Um, now, I, I always have to have something in my hands. I always have to have something that I'm fiddling with. Um, I Right now, my right hand is twirling a pen. My left hand is plucking um, a little piece of plastic off my chair and putting it back. Um, earlier, <laughs> earlier, I was outlining the um, swoosh in the Relay logo on this beautiful piece of wood that, that you and Steven sent me. That is not a euphemism. Um, and so I was playing with that. Um, there's a piece of you ever get like a, a check in the mail and you have to like tear off the edges of the of the check. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, in the order perforated. Edge. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I have one of those that I like folded um, a gazillion times. I, I should take a picture, but I'll forget. Anyway, I folded it back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth that I've been playing with on and off throughout the episode. Um, I have to be fidgeting with something. And the, t- the tough thing is when you're podcasting is that whatever you're fidgeting with, you really need to make sure is freaking silent because otherwise yeah. it creates big time problems for either Mike or Marco. Um, so... Um, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely got, I've got to have some in my hands. I've got to keep my hands moving or else I go freaking crazy. What do you do with your hands? So I have a few things. One, one of the things that I should never do is operate my computer because I will get distracted. Yep. So like my thing, the reason that I have to keep my hands busy, uh, but more for me is to keep my eyes busy, which I think I've explained this before. Like, I have this thing that I can listen a lot better if, like, my others, my my eyes or whatever, are taken away in some not away. I like they're like <laughs> I have some kind of thing that's distracting them. And I think this is just years of listening to podcasts and playing video games. Like those two things together have kind of conditioned me to be able to listen a lot better in those scenarios. So I have a few things uh, in and around my desk uh, that provide me with this. So I have this little uh, plastic thing, and it's actually the foot of my glass desk. So I have a glass desk, and each of the panes of glass that make up the legs have these little plastic feet that go under them. One of them, when I moved my desk, didn't go on its place, and my desk is so heavy that now it's just as it is. So I've just got this little plastic thing. The problem with that is this plastic thing makes this noise, and I do oh, that every now and then. yep. I've been there. <laughs> I've been there so many times. Uh, I also have this little black bolt nut screw thing, which is for a Heil PR40 um, shock mount that Marco gave me. Uh, And he gave me the shock mount and then gave me the 
the locking nut months later. So the nut has just stayed on my desk because I didn't want to lose it. I don't know why that seemed like a sensible thing for me to do, but that's just here. And that is, I sometimes just can unscrew and rescrew that, which is great fun. Uh, I have a pad and paper, sorry, pad, a pencil and paper or a pen and paper, uh, which I'd usually take show notes on. So every now and then I like scribble in the boxes on the, the grid or like make little doodles and sketches. But more often than not, which is something I was doing for most of this show, is I play very simple iPhone games, which makes people think that I am a terrible person who doesn't listen to anybody. But uh, I play very simple iPhone games that don't require any kind of brain power. They tend to be like games where you're just matching colors and stuff like that. Uh, because that, for me, is the biggest thing to keep me in and occupied with the show. I'm playing a video game right now, Casey Liss. I'm sorry, did you say something? I was playing Flight Control. Very clever, very clever. <laughs> get a new game, buddy. It's like six years old. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Oh, goodness. The um, game that I'm currently playing is a game called Domino Drop. Oh, didn't you tweet about of that? Te- yeah, it's kind of Tetrisy like uh, but basically you're just matching colors. And I do very badly when I play the games like this because I'm not properly concentrating on them. But it it really does help me. It really, really does help me. So, fair enough. All right, we have uh, one last piece of really your feels, and mm-hmm. um, I I only I almost shelved this because I didn't think it was interesting. But then I realized what you had done in the document. Um, and maybe this was because you did it. Maybe it was because Kevin did it. I'm going to assume it was you, Mike. But either way, mm-hmm. the document reads Kevin. And then that, that's, you know, in, in two columns. Kevin is the person who wrote it. So then it reads, Casey, why do you hate Groundhog Day? And then on the next line, Kevin, Casey, why do you hate Groundhog Day? And the next line, Kevin, Casey, why do you hate Groundhog Day? And I've been staring at this for the last 10 minutes thinking, why the hell did Mike put this in three times? And it was only moments ago that it occurred to me what the joke was. And I have to say, well done, sir. I, I see I'm a little disappointed in myself that I thought of this joke and had such little faith in myself to think to do it that I put it in the document a few times. Because <laughs> originally I was going to ask you and then you were going to tell me why you didn't like the movie and then I was going to ask you again. <laughs> I, I would have been so confused. Uh, I would have been lost. We don't need to get into this now. Yeah, to be honest, I mean, I don't have much to say because... I, I love that movie, so okay. I don't want to have this discussion with you. Well, no, I promise this will be quick. I barely remember it, and I just don't remember liking it very much, and that's basically the entirety of what I have to say about it. I, it How long ago do you think it was since you watched that movie? Oh, forever, which is why I was about to say it's very yeah. possible if I were to watch it again today, I would freaking love it. So Yeah, no, you should definitely watch it. Well, you can just put it in the list for Casey at the cinema. Yeah, no, you should definitely watch it. (laughs) All right, is that about it for tonight? Yeah, you should definitely watch it. (laughs) I see what you did there. (laughs) Hey-o! Yeah, that is about it. Uh, If you want to catch the links for this week's episode, go to relay.fm slash analog slash 52. Thanks again to Squarespace and Red Hat for helping support this week's episode. If you'd like to find Casey online, he is at CaseyList, C-A-S-E-Y-L-I-S-S. That's CaseyList. And if you just take those collection of letters and add a the full stop or a period as you would call it in America and then a C O and an M you will find Casey's website at caseylist.com and I am at iMike I M Y K E I am the host of many shows at this glorious Relay FM network of which Analog is a part thank you so much for listening and we'll be back next week for our one year celebration until then Woo! say goodbye Casey List adios Mike <laughs> <laughs>